And the team member had protested. I don't really know how to do that, you know, all the things. And the CEO had pushed through, persisted, and the team member felt obliged and did his best, but of course, ended up failing terribly at the task. Welcome to the 7 Figure Freedom Podcast, where ambitious CEOs turn to transition from being the doer of the business to being the leader of the empire. I'm Madeline White Silva. I'll share my real life struggles and breakthroughs as I've scaled my businesses and grown a team that run the day to day without me. So that now I run my seven figure business on three day work weeks. Join our community of visionary entrepreneurs and transformational leaders as we create lasting impact, financial freedom, and an awesome, rewarding life with a powerhouse team by your side. So let's talk about empowering versus micromanaging your team. And when you have had to clean up messes and chaos left over from a team member that has left, or you ended up firing because they just didn't perform to your expectations, and you had to do that more than once, it's very possible, it's very easy to have the pendulum swing all on the way to the other side. And you feel like you need to really micromanage every little detail to make sure that everything that you want to get done, not only actually gets done, but it also gets done to your level of quality control. I totally get it. You know, I've had a ridiculously steep learning curve when it comes to team. And trust me, I made all of the mistakes, every single one of them. And I have tons of horror stories to tell you over a glass of wine sometime. But this one, you know, like so much of entrepreneurship, I had to learn the hard way, how to be a good boss, how to lead a team, how to empower the team members, to really show up and do their best work every single day, rather than chasing after them, micromanaging their every move, and stressing them and myself out. So here's three things that I feel has made all the difference for how I look at this piece. So number one is, you know, you really need to teach your team how to think through problems, not just how to do the task. So yesterday, I spent some time with a CEO who showed me the system that they've created for one of their team members to make sure that they got the job done. It was a minute to minute checklist and description of how to spend the time every hour that they worked. And when I first saw it, I laughed and I said, when did they get to go on a bathroom break? And the CEO totally got it, cracked up and like added bad bathroom break in there and then changed it from 10 a.m. to 10.02 to make space for that. But we had this moment of like, she kind of totally got it. So the task list that had been born out of fear of repeating that last team member's failure, because when the previous hire had left, they had not really completed all the work that they were billing them for. So they were saying that it worked a whole day, but in reality, that maybe only worked an hour or two. And so they just wasn't never really getting to the work. So they developed this system, this checklist, very detailed checklist, step-by-step. So there was no, nothing left to the imagination, right? And that micromanaging of making sure that everything is getting done, it's not, you know, it's totally natural. But here it is, you know, there really is a better way. So that same CEO also showed me a really cool color-coded table that helped prioritize important tasks. Now, this one was totally brilliant because it taught a team member how to think through decisions that they faced with every single day in a job and to set clear expectations of what success would actually look like. And this is how you empower your team to take ownership of their job responsibilities rather than diminish them to robots that just follow the checklist, right? 
And there's always a really good reason why a team member didn't do their job. If you don't slow down enough to figure out why before you move on to fix that breakdown, you are doomed to repeat it. And it hardly ever because your team member didn't know exactly how to do the task. It's usually something much bigger than that. Number two is you want to align your job descriptions with your team members' natural strengths. So I recruited an amazing team member for a CEO a while back to help them with some techie backend stuff. And the CEO raved about this team member. He was doing an amazing job for them. But then he suddenly disappeared. He wasn't responding to the emails. He wasn't responding to the calls. And so the CEO came back to me and he was all upset. So I reached out to the team member and I found out a little bit of the backstory, right? The CEO had given the team member responsibilities that was way out of his area of strength. This was a techie, linear, left brain kind of guy. And the CEO had asked me to write social media posts. And the team member had protested. He had said, no, this, I don't really know how to do that, you know, all the things. And the CEO had pushed through, persisted, and the team member felt obliged and did his best, but of course, ended up failing terribly at the task. So the CEO got super frustrated and then scolded a team member and really made him feel bad about not being able to accomplish the social media posts. So the team member then felt like he just couldn't do right by the CEO and had already had that experience of not being heard when raising his concerns. So he just simply ghosted, literally just disappeared. So if the CEO had left this amazing team member doing the stuff in his so zone of genius, they could have had a really long lasting and mutually beneficial relationship. So we always talk about how the visionary CEO only should do stuff that's in their zone of genius in order to scale their business really successfully, right? But it's equally important and it's equally true for your team to work in their zone of genius. And here are some really cool added benefits when you are able to really align the job descriptions with your team members' natural strengths. They literally show up excited to get to work every single day because they absolutely love what I get to do. And they take more ownership of the job because they feel confident in getting the work done well. And they require very little management because they're actually grooving. You know, they're in that zone genius. They're loving what you do. They're having fun. And so this is how you build more or less a self-managing team. So right now, you can get my super simple team assessment process that helps me evaluate my current team, identify if I need to hire somebody else, what kind of training my team members need, who is worth investing in, and who needs to be more challenged to grow with a company, and really turning those less than motivated team members into productive, valuating, value-adding team players. It's an on-demand five-part video series that will walk you through the whole process. It's totally free. And you can find it at hello7figurefreedom.com team-assessment-video-series. We'll make sure to add the link in the show notes and let me know. Number three is to build systems as guardrails around your team. So most CEOs hire new team members when they're at that breaking point. You know, the business is growing so fast that it just can't keep up and they need help. 
cash flow is finally at the point where they feel they can't afford hiring. But also at this stage, they have very little time to invest in training and supporting the new hires because they're so maxed out and at capacity and running around, you know, doing all the things in their business, have a long to-do list. It's really hard for them to carve out enough time to really support the new hire. So the new hire oftentimes ends up creating systems and workflow from their perspective as they implement or on the team, right? Not from the perspective of the visionary or even in support of the vision, right? They build system as they go, as needed, and fix breakdowns with quick patches so that they can just keep up with the demand of the role that they just stepped into. And what you end up with is clunky, cumbersome, outdated system that doesn't support your vision or the growth that you really want. And once you come up for air and realize what has happened and start suggesting changes, your team member is attached to the way things are. And it's oftentimes not willing to change. They've taken such ownership over the things that you never taught them. And they now think that they know better than you in some weird way. I call this a team member gone rogue. And so oftentimes I see visionaries then going, okay, I don't want to upset them because, you know, you're now grown so reliant on them being at this point in your business and you need them to do the job that they're doing. And oftentimes my visionaries don't necessarily know exactly what that job description looks like and what it looks like today and how to even do those tasks. And so you leave it be. Don't want to ruffle any feathers. Don't want to mess it all up. You finally have somebody in there doing a decent job. But what happens over time is that resentment starts building on both sides. You as a CEO start feeling resentful that things are not more streamlined, more smooth, or really done to your specifications the way you really want it done. And your team member feel resentful because they don't feel appreciated. They're putting all this hard work, sweat and tears into your business. And you want it to be different? You don't think, you don't appreciate all the work they've done? You think they should do it differently and it's not good enough for you? And so this is what starts happening. And this is how oftentimes relationship between the CEO and the employee or the team member really start eroding and start dismantling and resentment builds up and things just doesn't work out well. So this is exactly why we build the systems first before we hire new people to bring them on board. So we want to set really clear expectations for the new hire from the very start so that they know what success looks like. They know what we expect from them. And they have some really good guardrails that helps them define how to do their job in the way that we really want it done. And we build those systems for not where you are right now, but really for where you want to go. So we want to make sure that those systems can afford for the growth and expansions that you want to see in your business and so that you're not building systems that automatically creates bottlenecks and capacity blocks in your business. You have to really think ahead. So leadership is really at the core of all three of these points that I just made. And as much as you want to hand things off to your team, you still need to lead them and show them the way. So if you listen to all of this, I would love to know was there specific insight or how that you had, you know, could you recognize yourself in parts of the stories that I told from just being in the trenches with some amazing transformational visionary leaders and CEOs? I would love to hear from you. 
You can always reach out to me and I can't wait to see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the 7 Figure Freedom Podcast. I hope this episode sparked a shift in perspective to help you amplify your impact, income, and freedom. Schedule a call with me today. You'll find the scheduling link in the show notes to take the first step towards gaining clarity on how to bring your vision to life with more ease. Check the show notes for additional resources. 